Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared Lonza. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and I love this time of the, the service because I get to share what I feel like God's put on my heart. And I'm particularly excited because today we are beginning a brand new message series called Anatomy of Worship. Um, you know, if this is your first time with us, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're listening on the podcast today, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what I believe God is going to speak to your heart. Um, worship. Worship is something that I think most people understand the word. I mean, we've all grown up in a society to where we understand the concept of it, whether you've been to church or not in your life, or whether or not you've just been to history classes and you've heard about various forms of worship that have taken place throughout, you know, history. Oftentimes, the most associated thing with worship is the idea of singing, right? So we sing songs to worship God, but we believe that worship is so much more than just songs, but that it actually involves our entire lifestyle. And so thus was born the message series, Anatomy of Worship. We believe that God wants us to worship Him with all of our being, with our entire body. And so that involves our, 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 our head, our mind, it involves our mouth. It involves our hands and it involves our feet. And so this month, we're going to kind of take a journey through Scripture and learn about how we can worship God with our lifestyle and how it's not just the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. Now, why do we believe this? Where does this all come from? It actually comes from, from Scripture. In Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 12, Romans was a letter that was written from one of the apostles named Paul, sent to the letter in, to the people in Rome, the city of Rome, to that church. And this is what he said in the 12th chapter, the very first verse. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, okay, so here we go, body, to God because of all he has done for us. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And then he links it. He says, this is truly the way to worship God. So what he's doing here is he's actually linking it. He's saying, if the way that you truly worship God is not just to sing songs, it's not just to say things about God, it's actually to offer everything that you are, your entire existence to God as a sacrifice. Now, again, so some of you who maybe are newer to the church world, to, to a religious sort of a setting, the word sacrifice probably conjures up images of the Mayans sacrificing people on top of a pyramid. That's not what we're talking about, okay? The concept of a sacrifice is an offering. It's a willing offering to, to, to say, I, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm going to give this willingly, you can sacrifice lots of things. People sacrifice their time. They sacrifice their money. They sacrifice their energy. And in this case, God is saying, because of all I've done for you, Paul is writing to the Roman people, and he's saying, especially in Rome, I mean, most of you guys know about from, from the history of Rome, if you've ever seen the movie Gladiator, or you've seen anything about the Roman Empire, it was not known as being a selfless place. Rome was known for being a completely individualized place. It was completely a land of indulgence. The concept of sacrificing for other people was foreign. You were considered weak if you actually treated people that way, which is part of the reason why they hated Jesus. It was because he was considered to be a weakling because he would never fight back. That's the way that their society was. So when Paul writes to these people who grew up in a society where he was saying to them, listen, the way that you truly worship God is by giving your whole body over to him and, and aligning yourself with what he wants is how we do it. So God desires us to be wholly transformed and devoted to him. 
This is really the mark of a disciple. So I'm going to revisit what we talked about last month. The vision that God has for us this year is to intentionally move deeper and outward. Why? To make disciples of Jesus. We want to be so close to him that we are a disciple. We sit under him and learn his teaching. And so this month, we're going to explore the different ways that we can worship God with our entire being, beginning with our mind, the concept of our mind. Now, I found a quote today from a man named James Allen. He wrote a book called As a Man Thinketh. And this is what he said about the mind. I thought this was so interesting. He says, A man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. But whether it's cultivated or it was neglected, it must and it will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. I thought that was really interesting because it's really exactly how the mind works. What this man was saying is that the brain, the mind, basically what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it, what's going to grow within it. And so what he's basically saying here is this concept of if you are going to cultivate it intelligently, then you will become a smart individual. If you're going to allow it to run wild, you're going to grow weeds in your mind. This is the concept of it, is whatever you put inside of yourself, whatever you focus on, ultimately it's what's going to be an outgrowth of it and will ultimately shape what becomes of our lives. Another way to say this is we become what we intake. Now, a a silly kind of an example of this is in my life. Most of you know that I have a persuasion to the heavy metal music and to, uh, to, you know, some hard rock. I grew up listening to Metallica, one of my favorite bands of all time, and, uh, Every once in a while, I get into a kick where I want to listen to this music and listen to bands like Killswitch Engage and, and you know, just, just groups that like just really aggressive music, which, you know, we can talk about this offline sometime if you don't think that's right for a pastor to be listening to that. But, but so I'll be listening to this music and I'm just like driving on the road, you know, and I'm just really enjoying it or if I'm working out, you know, and listening to just really aggressive, fast-paced music. And then... For whatever reason, for the next several days, I find myself wanting to dress a little bit differently. I find myself, instead of wearing these nice brown boots, I put on my Chuck Taylors again. I want to get my belt out that has the bullets around the back of it. You know, I find myself, you know, wearing band t-shirts instead of these nice, uh, you know, flannels or plaid shirts. You know, I want to hang out with the people down at the altar bar (laughs) instead of, you know, at the coffee shops. There's just something that happens to me when I listen to this music is it just sort of makes me want to become like this guy. I don't know what it is, but I mean, this was kind of how I looked in high school. I don't necessarily, you know, look like this right now, but this was definitely true of me, is that, what is it, my favorite band name, and then the teacher made me go to counseling. Some of the heavy metal band names are pretty, pretty scary. But, um, but my point in all this is it's a silly example, but the principle is still the same. There's something about the things that we put inside of us that begin to sort of shape who we are, the intake, what we, we become, what we intake. And so this is what's happening in my life. And oftentimes my emotions or my feelings on a subject might even change based on how I think about it. I mean, you can think about how that maybe happens in your life. If I'm not careful... My thoughts can control the way I respond to situations. I think most of us understand this idea of how powerful the mind is over all of us. How the things that we watch or the things that we listen to, the things that we think about, they all shape us. Things like CNN, 
Things like the news that we watch, things like the TV shows that we watch, or the books that we read, or the magazines that we read. All of these things influence us in one way or the other. They begin to shape our worldview. They begin to shape who we are, how we think, our value systems. And ultimately, the mind, that all gets stored inside of our mind and begins to shape the things like our self-image, the way that we look about ourselves, the way that we value ourselves, or the lack of it. Or the way that maybe we look at other people and how we see them as an image to us and the value that they have. It affects our outward appearance, kind of like I joked about with me listening to heavy metal and wanting to be some punk kid. I mean, it, it, but it's true. The things that we see, the things that we intake ultimately shape us in the way we want to dress, the way we want to act, our outward appearance. It affects our confidence. Our mind can affect our confidence and our self and even our interactions with others. How many of you have ever struggled with confidence issues? And you don't have to raise your hand, but this is something that we all do. And a lot of that is stored inside of our minds. And things like our values and our attitudes, they all come from the mind. That's the way it works. That's the way the mind works. It is the place where most of our being comes from. It is the engine that drives our thoughts and our behaviors. It is the place where our values and our beliefs and our attitudes are stored it is the computer ultimately inside of us that controls our actions. You know, I believe this, that most of the struggles that we have in life are found within our mind. The things that we battle with, the fears that we have, the insecurities that we have, the feeling of that we don't measure up or that, we, that we're not good enough or that, that we're never successful enough or whatever it might be, the things that we struggle with, those battles, I believe, take, take place in our mind more than anywhere else. And I believe that we have to win those battles. We have to become a people that can win those battles. And they stem. We lose those battles because they stem from our beliefs and our ability to fight them. We think oftentimes that I can't beat this thing. And so we lose the battles to them because we're afraid of them or we're not, we don't think that we can beat them. And all these things come from our minds. So the question then is begged, if I am to worship God with my mind, how the heck am I supposed to do that when I've got all this stuff rolling around in it. I mean, we, okay, so Romans 12, 1 told us that in order for us to truly worship God, we need to be willing to give him everything, including our mind. But how do I do that? Filled with a world of, 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 of where society is telling me all sorts of things. I've got messages bombarding me constantly. How do I do that when, when I, uh, maybe my values are, are, are messed up, or maybe I have a dysfunctional family, or or maybe I just don't even know how to begin to worship God with my mind. How would I go about that? Well, fortunately, the second verse of that same chapter begins to tell us. Let's read the first verse again, though, just to remind us of what we're shooting for. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. But then he continues talking about the mind. He says, don't copy, this is verse two, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay, so what he's doing is here is he's drawing a line. He's saying, okay, we live in Rome. We get it. Like the society here, this is the society that born the gladiators where they would fight and kill each other for sport. I mean, this is the kind of, a, the kind of, of society that they lived in. 
It was pure entertainment driven. It was purely selfless, selfish driven where it was all about getting what I could get. And he's saying, don't copy what they do, but let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. So much of who we are comes from our place in our brain. The decisions that we make, the values that we have, they all come from the beginning, which is into our brain. And so the big idea for this entire message right here today is this. The big idea, and if you want to write something down on the note page you have in your program, is what we think about is what we will worship. The things that we think about, the things we put into our head, are what we will worship. What we think about is what we will worship. Now, the mind has to do with the will. Okay, so at the end of that verse there, what did it say? It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. But the mind has to do with the will. This is talking about our will versus God's will, okay? So the, the battle that we are fighting here actually has to do with design. The concept of, of, of what is it that I want for my life versus what is it that God wants for my life. And so when we think about that, because it seems kind of like, he says, okay, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then it seems like he's taking a sort of like a 180 and changing topics and saying, and then you'll know God's will. It's like, well, we weren't asking you for God's will. That's not what I was asking you about, Paul. I needed to know how I could become a different person. But here's the thing. is that verse 2 says to change the way we think, we need to learn God's will. So to change the way we think to learn God's will, which is design, worshiping with our mind actually means aligning our thoughts to think the way that God does. Not like that we're thinking like God, not that we are God, but there are certain things, designs, the way that he created the world to be, the way that he designed everything to be and to operate and for us to think about. We talked about this before. Think on these things, things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are just, things that are right. I mean, all of us in our hearts know when we see something right. It doesn't mean that it's boring. It just means that it's right. Things that are good, those are the things that we should be focusing on. So when it says, in order to worship God, to know his perfect design for our lives, means we need to be thinking the way that he wants us, the way he designed us to think. And ultimately, becoming a disciple of Jesus means taking control of every aspect of our lives and bending them to the will or the design of God. I mean, that's truly what this is about. Becoming a disciple of Christ means that we make everything in our lives serve Jesus Christ. And verse 2 promises that if we worship God with our minds, we will find ourselves within his perfect design and purpose for our lives. So how can I begin worshiping God with my mind? If we understand that the, the problem starts up here, that God wants me to offer everything I am to him. He wants my life to be pleasing to him. That's what it said, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This will be a pleasing offering to him. So how do I begin? Okay, God, I get it. Like I live in a world where things are really messed up and I want to bend and align my thoughts to what it is that you want from me. How can I do that? What, how do I begin that process? Well, fortunately, in verse two, it kind of begins to outline that for us. So verse 2 says this, and the first note is this, don't be a copy. Don't be a copy. Verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Now, first thing you have to realize is that the world that we live in does not reflect God's design for our lives. 
So when we go out there and we're seeing the things that we see on the news and, the, and then and all the, maybe the trends that we see around society and you know, the way that people treat each other in relationships and the dysfunctionality that we see in relationships with parents and their kids or the problems that we see at school you know, and, and, or at your jobs and the selfishness and the, maybe the corner cutting that you see at work and the, the way that people see. You know, we see homeless people in the streets and all of these things. None of this. Is what God wants. It is not his reflection of the design that he has. So what he's telling us, what Paul is telling us, what God is telling us through Paul in this letter is don't copy what was not his design. But what we find ourselves doing is we grow up in a world where it's all we know. I mean, imagine, he had to tell the Romans this. Why? Because the Romans grew up in Rome. They were aware, but maybe subconsciously, they weren't quite fully aware of what this society was doing to them. How many of those Christians were going to visit gladiator battles and seeing people murdered in front of their eyes for, for, and paid a ticket price for it and they didn't know any better? I mean, how many of them did that because they weren't told otherwise because they were grown up, they were born into a world, into a society that seemed normal to them. But Paul is saying this is not God's design for our lives. And he's saying the same thing to us today. Do not be a copy do not be a copy of the society that we live in. Be aware of being what is said or fed to you. When you watch the news, listen to what it says to you. Does this make sense or is this propaganda? I'm not talking like politically. What I'm saying is, is like, are you being shaped by what you watch? Are you being shaped by what you listen to? Are you being shaped by that rather than what God is saying and his design for your life? And when you hear something, it's okay to watch TV. It's okay to listen to movies or watch movies and listen to the radio and those types of things. What I'm saying is, is when you do, you then need to come back and compare what you hear or what you see to the truth of God's word. How does it line up with God's design for our lives? the principles that he put in place for all of creation, the things that he would rather, he says, you know what, if we all just live by these sets of principles, we wouldn't have the problems we have in our world. We wouldn't have death, we wouldn't have violence, we wouldn't have selfishness, we wouldn't have poverty, we wouldn't have greed, we wouldn't have drug addicts, we wouldn't have, you know, like all sorts of crazy things happening because the reason that happens is because we don't follow God's design for, life, for our lives and for creation. And so if we go back and we compare what we find in the world, if we hear a song on the radio that says something like, man, I think I, that resonates with me, let's go back to God's Word and say, what does God's Word say about this topic? And choosing, making the choice at that point to say, I'm not going to be a copy because I recognize that this world is not a reflection of God's design. We have to make the choice to resist the world's pull. So the first way that we begin to worship God with our mind is to choose to not be a copy. The second thing that we need to do is change your mind. So it says, don't copy those customs and habits of the world. Verse 2 goes on to say, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So not only do you need to not be a copy, but now you need to begin to change your mind. So as you begin to make this choice, God then begins to form new patterns of thought in your life, new habits into your life, into your mind. I'm a computer guy, so I think it in terms of he rewrites the code of your mind. If any of you are computer programmers or understand that concept, when you write code for something, it can eventually be corrupted. Have any of you ever had that? Remember back in the days with the floppy disks? 
You guys remember the, even the really big one with the circle in the middle? Remember if you ever put your finger in that thing, it would get corrupted. You put that drive, you put it in the drive, and it wouldn't work anymore. Am I, am I dating myself? Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about, okay? Or even the, the little ones that had the little door, the little shutter, the little three and a half, you know, discs. You put those into the computer, and sometimes it would go on a Windows machine, never on a Mac. It would say, file corrupted. This is what happens to us. When God created all of us, we were, we were beautifully written computer programs. We were wonderfully operating. And then sin comes into our life. Selfishness and greed and all the things that we struggle with. And it begins to overwrite and corrupt the code that God wrote into our lives. The beauty is, is that when we make the choice to become individuals that want to follow Jesus and begin to align our thoughts into the, the design that God has for us, he begins to rewrite that code. He refreshes that code in our lives and we begin to operate efficiently again. We get become, begin to become, become whole, purposeful individuals again. We begin to see people not as ways, as tools to be used for my gain, but as people that God loves. And we begin to build relationships with them. We begin to restore marriages. And, and with my wife, you know, with, if me and my wife are having problems and we've been struggling and butting heads, maybe you're in the same place. As you begin to align your thoughts with where God is for you and what he wants for your marriage, you begin to look at your wife now not as an obstacle, not as a problem. You begin to look at her as a child or a daughter of the king of kings. And you begin to love her and treat her the way that God would treat her. Even though you're frustrated with her, he begins to treat her differently because of how he sees her. And when you do that in any area of your life, whether it be your relationship with your wife or with your kids or with your boss or your coworker, where you begin to treat your addictions or your problems or your struggles in life, whatever pains or problems you have, whether it be your finances, anything, when you begin to change them and address them in the way that God designed you to do it, you will watch those problems begin to heal. You will begin those problems, those relationships begin to mend. You'll, you'll begin to see your financial situation change. All of those things happen because God aligns. When you align yourself with God's plan, his design, he begins to rewrite things in your mind. You see things differently. It's amazing. It's incredible. When we begin to change the way we think, it says let God transform you into a new person. You don't do it. I can't change myself. The things you have dealt with your entire life, you look back over your history and you say, man, I have really struggled with this thing, this area of my life, whether it be finances or whether it be, you know, lust, you know, relationship problems, or I keep dating the wrong guy or, or you know, or, or some kind of addiction, whatever it might be. You keep looking back at yourself, man, I always fall for the same things. It's because you cannot solve your own problem. It requires a master programmer to rewrite the code. You can't do it yourself. But that's the beauty of the verse. Verse 2 says is let God transform you by changing the way you think. You make the choice. Okay, God, I'm going to align my thoughts with what you say is important. And I can only know that by reading Scripture, by praying and spending time with God, soaking it up. You know, it's like hanging out with the man. It rubs off on you. That's what you need. When you do that, you can make the choice. All right, I'm going to not be a copy. I see that. That's not the way that God's designed his plan is for my life. So I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to make these choices. I'm going to choose to resist. That's the beginning. And God says, when you change your thinking, he begins to then rewrite and reform habits, reform thoughts, processes in your mind. And I loved what Henry David Thoreau said. 
about this very concept. He said, as a single footstep will not make a path into the earth, so a single thought will not make a pathway in the mind. To make a deep physical path, we walk again and again. And to make a deep mental path, we must think over and over the kind of thoughts that we wish to dominate our lives. I thought that was so powerful. We cannot become different people. God cannot transform us into new people, into the new creations that he wants us to be unless we are constantly telling our minds to think something else. I cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ if I act like a disciple of the world. I cannot continually soak my brain with with television shows and radio songs and movies about, you know, like getting money and, and, and treating people to get my, my own way or, or treating women like objects or guys that are just to be like playthings or whatever. Like all the stuff we hear on the radio or the things we watch on TV or the movies, you know, all of these things. We cannot hope to ever be the people that God wants us to be, the set free individuals, if we do all of that and never spend any time thinking about the things that are going to change us. We have to rewrite our thought patterns. It's not enough to come to church on a Sunday and hear 30 minutes of good word, incredible teaching from a pastor who loves you. Like, you know, like, it would be foolish of us. I mean, Thoreau understood this. It would be so foolish of us to think that I could just sit in a room for a half an hour and listen to something and then expect that 30 minutes to change everything in my life if the other six and a, you know, 90% day of the week, I am not thinking about it. I'm not pursuing it. I'm not doing anything that has to do with filling my brain with what God is telling me other than Sunday morning. We've got to like begin to change our mind. And some of that takes on our own. We've got to begin to focus ourselves, creating new habits and evaluating in our lives, like what are some habits that I have that maybe are not shaping me properly, choosing them carefully. So don't be a copy is the first thing. Make the choice to say, I'm not going to act like the way that the rest of this world is. Anything that goes against what God's design is for our lives is something I'm going to keep myself away from. And then I'm going to begin to change my mind I'm going to allow God to transform me and rewrite my thought processes, rewrite my habits as I begin to soak up his truth into my life. And finally, it's your mind's transformation is worship. So we ask the question, well, how, how do I begin to worship God with my mind? And what does it look like? You know, yeah, okay, it's like I can sit down. I mean, some people, maybe you were picturing like sitting on the floor, like meditating at home. Jesus. Like, that's not, I guess it could be. I mean, if you're focusing yourself and focusing your mind's thoughts towards Jesus and, and his grace and his goodness and your, you know what I mean? Like, that's all meditation is, really. We're not talking like, you know, all this, this super spiritual stuff. I'm just saying, like, if you just separate yourself out, you clear your mind and you just fill yourself with God's goodness, with his mercy, with his grace, with his love, you know, if you, you continue to tell yourself, I am a new creation, like we said in this song. I am his. I belong to Jesus. You say those things, it begins to reinforce. So, but the concept of worshiping God with your mind is actually that the transformation itself is your worship. It's pleasing to him. I mean, verse one said, give your bodies to God. and This is truly the way to worship him. I mean, God desires for each one of us 
to be transformed, to be renewed, to be refreshed. He is the master artist. He is the master programmer, the creator of all things. And he refuses to allow us to stay where we are, to remain the same. He will always be calling us deeper. And as we transform into the person that he made each one of us to be, that very process is pleasing worship to him. Somebody in the room needs to hear this. You have this, this, this ideal in your mind, this concept in your brain that God will not be pleased with me until I have reached this thing, this place, this picture of myself, this healing in my life, whatever it might be, and it's not true. You can, there's nothing that you could do to make God love you any more or any less than he already does. He sees you. He sees me as his child. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. I look at my son and my daughter. Sure, they make mistakes. They do things that frustrate me. But when my daughter comes home with her report card and she's got all A's and B's, I'm thrilled to pieces for her, but I don't love her anymore than I did when she came home and was struggling with hard grades. And when my son struggles with listening or obeying or whatever issues that he has at times, or he's a lot like his dad, I don't love him any less. And so this idea that maybe, okay, I get what you're saying, Jared, that my mind is transformation as I align and I make those choices that that's pleasing worship to him. I get that idea, but, but I'm, not, I'm just not, I can't, fully, I can't fully get there because I just feel like in my mind, that my place, that there is this picture that until I'm here, I'm never really going to be good enough. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Just telling you now, it is a lie. Your Father in heaven looks at you with love and he says, if you will just listen to my word and you will just do what I'm saying, what I'm telling you to do, align your thoughts, start to bend your will towards Jesus Christ. If you start doing those things, when you do that, you are worshiping me with your mind. You are changing the way that you think and I will begin to transform you. And I'm not asking you to be different, wholly different tomorrow. I'm asking you just to take one step. Would you just take one step with me today and then tomorrow another and another and you'll begin to move and you'll see that your life is different. Before you know it, you'll look behind you and the place that you were will be miles behind you. It's amazing what God can do if we would just change our minds. So the challenge today is this. Bend your thoughts toward Jesus. Bend. The concept of the will, we talked about in, in, in verse two. I want to read it one more time. We'll kind of skip through and says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then it wraps it with, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So many of us want to know what it is that God wants in our lives. And he says the answer is just start to align your priorities, your thoughts, your attitudes, your values, your actions. Do all those things. Align them towards God. Bend your will toward Jesus. And you will begin to see the things 
oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this is how God made me. You begin to discover that because you will know his pleasing and perfect will, his design for your life when you begin to see the way he does. Because when you begin to align your thoughts with him, you will now see through his eyes and be able to see yourself as he sees you. And then you will see what you were made for. Bend your thoughts toward Jesus. So as we see Jesus and allow him to transform our minds, we will see what he sees. Our desires will become like his desires. And our actions will then begin to reflect his actions. I'm going to wrap with this. As we become people who allow our thoughts to be shaped by Jesus, we will have the strength to win those battles within. We will begin to see that we are conquerors, that we have victory through Jesus Christ, that the authority of Jesus living in our lives is enough to overcome the battles and the things that we struggle with. We will find ourselves ready to be useful everywhere and anywhere. When we become free, we're no longer held back from the things that have chained us down for so long. We then become unlocked into our destiny of helping other people who struggle with that become free themselves. God will be honored by a people who have set themselves apart for his purposes. And ultimately, our church will begin to be filled with new people because his thoughts will drive us to share his hope in our neighborhoods. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.